belly and the fish. Belly, belly and the fish. Welcome, friends, to Belly and the Fish. I'm your host, Corbin, a.k.a. The Fish, and here we got Ben, Big Belly Smokes Hunter. What's up, Belly? That's me. <laughs> and also, we have Austin Jaros joining us today from Atlanta, Georgia. How you doing, Austin? Dirty South, baby. Thanks, Corbin. Excited to be here, man. What's up, Benny? I'm not too bad. How are you doing, man? Freshly engaged, traveling the world? Traveling, man. Yeah, I was in Baltimore last week. Atlanta now. Dealing, with, You know, just... Working, working, working. Yeah, I've only met Austin one time. We uh, took a friend ski trip to Utah a couple years back. It was just kind of a mosh pit of friends of friends. And uh, Austin, Ben, how did you guys even meet in the first place? Probably first time was uh, growing up uh, through one of my good family friends, Mark, and I just leached onto this friend group and haven't been able to leave since. And Austin was one who uh, I deemed ready to go meet our friend group, Corbin. And He's been popping in ever since, and now he can't shake him. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly how he introduced the, the whole plan. He's like, hey, man, I know uh, you're not going to know anybody on this trip, but do you want to go out to Utah for like five days? I'm like, fuck yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Who cares? <laughs> no, Austin fit in right away. There was uh, a couple of girls on that trip, two single girls, I feel like, and probably like 10, 12 single guys. And there was this uh, one girl, let's call her Amanda, probably the more attractive of the two. Uh, and then there was this other girl, Jane. And so everyone's just gunning for Amanda. And Austin's like, you know what? I think I'm, I think I'm going to bang Jane. <laughs> I was like, wow, smart man. Hey, you walk away from the table when you're up. Nothing like playing against zero opponents and coming out with the W. <laughs> <laughs> Austin lives in Berkeley. He's just traveling down to Atlanta for work. So we're happy that we could have him on. We're getting uh, quite a few guests from different cities. Matt from Denver last week, too. We're just kind of making our laps. Lions all over the world. Coast to coast, baby. And we're also found out today we have listeners in four different continents, Europe, North America, South America, and as of this weekend, Asia, down in Singapore. So shout we, out to our international fans. Do we know who that is, by the way? Or Not a clue, man. I know who the Brazil person was, but I have no idea who found us in Singapore. <laughs> I've been posting this up on Reddit and I've been slapping some QR code stickers on drinking fountains around Grand Rapids. But <laughs> other, than, other than that, I have no fucking clue, man. Gorilla marketing, man. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Well, I wish we could have had you on for a better week, Austin. Very, very poor result against the Patriots. The revenge game we we're all waiting for. We did not break any pencils off in Matt Patricia's ass. On the contrary, he broke one off in us in a bad way. Last time we played the Patriots was 2018 with Patricia at the helm. We beat the Patriots 26 to 10. And this year we lost 29 to zero, our first goose egg. Offense was humming, but not this week. I don't really have a whole lot of explanation for how we fell so far from where we were the past four weeks. The line opened at the uh, Patriots minus two and a half. Didn't have a lot of movement through the week. It closed Patriots favored by three points. But man, it was just another fucking stinker offensively and defensively we'll kick it off with the offense we were zero for six on fourth down Campbell kept the aggressive tone and it just did not work out for us even once this entire week four for 12 on third down zero for three in the red zone we didn't really have a problem moving the ball per se whether we were running or passing I mean if you look at the box score you'll see some respectable numbers but 
when we needed a big play on an important down third, fourth down or in the red zone, we just could not get it done. We had two turnovers as well, an interception and a fumble by Goff. And those were kind of the big plays that broke our back. We'll start with Goff. He was pressured all game and, you know, he did some good things in the past four weeks and I saw steady improvement, you know, saw him, saw him escape the pressure and, you know, make some good decisions, but the pressure was too much for him. And he regressed back to his former self, making bad decisions, panicking and getting rid of the ball and inopportune times and just kind of hitting guys in double, triple coverage, or just throwing it for a, a tough incompletion when we really needed to make something happen. Hit Amon Ra St. Brown on a fourth down, one yard short of the sticks. Some of the things that we had seen, but you thought that he had cleaned up and it was a big regression and it's tough. I mean, it was his worst game by far of the year and obviously fans are upset. I'm upset. I mean, I thought that he really had turned a corner and he was looking like he could be that guy for the season. And now, you know, I have my questions. What do you guys think? I don't know. Do you still want to pay the man after last week after you and Matt were riding his high horse? Well, we already have him for two more years. He's already paid. And no, I mean, doesn't he have one, a potential out? Yeah, we do have a potential out, but I still don't think that we have another better option. And it doesn't matter what quarterback you have. Everyone's going to have a game like that. You would like to see some points get put up on the board. And I do place a lot of the blame on the offensive struggles on golf, but I thought that you could blame a lot of different people on the offensive end in this game. And I do think that golf should shoulder the brunt of that. But it's one bad game, and he has had four good games. So are you really ready to just toss him aside when he has had that productive of an offense through these first five games? I don't think it's time to cut bait, and I'm not, I'm not hitting the panic button just yet. So we'll see what happens after we come out of this bye. Hopefully we can clean some things up. I didn't think that Ben Johnson had the best play calling this game, and I think we have a lot to learn from. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that. I don't think we're ready to cut the cord at all this quick. I mean, I think this whole entire season is, is a tryout for golf to see if he is the guy, you know, we, you know, we talk about all the money details of, of letting him go and what that's going to cost us. But um, I think we might be talking about draft position later on in, in, in the chat here. Um, so that can wait, but it sucks after five weeks, we're talking about draft position and, and what can be done to bring in another quarterback. But, you know, you're not going to come after one game, but I think, you know, a hobbled, St. Brown, no DeAndre Swift. It's just clear of how important those two are in the offense. And uh, not having those guys there or at 100% is, you know, under Bill, Bill, or Bill Belichick, man, he's going he's gonna to cone you into doing everything you don't want to do. So it's cool where we were left. Yep, clearly outcoached this game. I mean, we don't have a whole lot of other options. We've got Nate Sutfeld as the backup. So, I mean, I'm riding with Goff any day over him. And we don't even know what our draft position is at this point. You know, we've got, what, 12 games left to play at this point. So a lot can change in that time. Yeah, a lot can change. And, and, and like you said, I mean, they've put up good numbers to start the year. It's all about the defense, man. It, they're not going to do anything if we're going to keep doing this and, and showing up like we are. Um, I'll, I'll take what golf's done um, as a pass, uh, you know, for the first five games, I'll give them a passing grade, but it's, it's a tryout every week, in my opinion. The Lions do have a pretty good cap situation going into next year. Yeah, there are some guys that we need to pay, TJ Hawkinson being one of them, but I still think it's a pretty reasonable contract the way that some of these $50 million deals are just getting thrown around, even if we have them for $30 million. You know, the first four weeks, he was looking like a bargain. And now everyone's like, well, let's pump the brakes. And again, like like you said, Austin, it is a tryout year for him. 
But even if we do say, say we have the number one pick and we get the most prolific quarterback prospect in the draft, whether that's Levis or Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, do we really want to just throw them out there week one? I think that having some tutelage under Goff for even a year is worth it. I mean, that's worth a $30 million investment. And if 2023 hits, we get some more pieces. We get some of these injured guys back playing for us. I think that he can do some stuff before we have to really pull the plug on him. I mean, yeah. if he does continue his thing from the first four weeks, though, there's no guarantee that he's not going to ask for more money or some sort of renegotiation anyway. I found an article that was saying that. And I mean, I don't know, just I don't I don't agree with throwing in the rookie right away because we've seen how that's worked and almost every rookie that's come out of these past couple of years. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. And, I, and I, I think, you know, from what you were saying, Ben, on renegotiation, I mean, he is under contract, so I don't know how much breathing room they can actually do to switch that up or how willing we'd be able to. Yeah, I, I don't want to go down the road of bringing in, you know, a quote-unquote veteran quarterback and, you know, do what Carolina's doing or anything like that. Like, Goff is obviously good enough to, to hold a franchise over. Um, he probably is in that time of, of just being a, a bench post quarterback and waiting for a rookie to come up behind him. I'm, I'm fine with having him, and like you said, good contract. He's cheap, you know, relative to other quarterbacks. So it's not like throwing him to the wolves or anything like that and get rid of him by any means. But you know, you, you can, you can tell during the game, you know, athleticism is, is not his strength and, and the speed of uh, that, that Pat's defense, you know, really uh, put a shining on it. And your boy Judon was chasing him down all game. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. I got to give him some love there. Judon played, played his ass off, man. He's, a, he's having a great year. Um, and then the other thing I had to say was, is, is the out a player out or a team option out? Do we know? I believe it's team option. I, I believe if I've heard correctly, it's if we get rid of them after this year, it's like a 10 million cap it. And then if we get rid of them after next season, it's like a 5 million. So everything's, you know, doable. Gotcha. Yeah. Goff doesn't have a whole lot of leverage in this situation. And let's be real. Like who's ready to hand out more than 30 million a year to Jared Goff. That was, we took that contract on, as part of the deal with Matt Stafford, because it was such a shitty contract at the time. So even if he plays up to that level, I think that he would be uh, pushing his luck a little bit if he was trying to demand some more, because I don't think there's a lot of teams who'd be willing to pay him more than $30 million a year based on what we've seen through his whole career. One good year is not going to change that. I mean, or we could just completely fleece the Colts and trade them over there. <laughs> I don't know if they have enough draft capital to even get what we would want for them at this point. They're pretty fucking hosed, man. That's fair. Yep, not Goff's best game by any means. Hopefully we see him bounce back and we see the offense adjust uh, with this bye week that we're blessed with. Great time for it, honestly. This was supposed to be the easy streak of the schedule for us before we hit some tough matchups. Yeah, not the way that we want to go into this by sitting one and four when you thought we could get maybe two, three wins out of these first five games. And, you know, Goff has to shoulder a lot of the blame for this one for sure. You did have this game marked as a win, didn't you? Yes, yes, and, I did. Ben. And then um, also I did a little research. Rest of the season, I think we're only favored in one more game, and that is against the Jets down the line. And they're looking pretty good too. Let's talk about the running game a little bit. Craig Reynolds took over this week. He was the most productive running back in the group. Jamal just can't really be trusted in the passing game. And, you know, he, he still did well in his role as that bruiser, um, you know, good for that three, four, five yards, but he didn't have that 50 yard run like he did last week against the Seahawks. So not his best showing. I think he had 15 carries, something along those lines, uh, you know, maybe four yards of carry, 
nothing that make the eyes pop, but Craig Reynolds had some pretty efficient runs. He was good in the passing game. He had one 36 yard screenplay. I think he had another 25 yard catch too. So he's looking solid as the RB three. And I like what I saw out of him. Yeah, I agree. And I, I liked, you know, I've liked him ever since hard knocks really just kind of his whole story. I wasn't really put on to him uh, prior to the year of like where he was and, and how he's made different teams, but he runs hard. And uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with you as far as uh, Jamal in the passing game, kind of going back to what I was saying earlier with missing Swift, just, I mean, you watch those games with Swift. Obviously, he's one of the best passing, pass catching running backs in the league, and we use the hell out of him. And uh, that's a big part of our offense. And Jamal is just not that guy. So, moving on to wide receivers, Amon Ross St. Brown was back, but on a pitch count, you saw him clearly limping around with that ankle injury. He only played 21 snaps. That's 32% of the plays. So, he wasn't his true self, and that didn't help. Josh Reynolds had a really good game. We got Tom Kennedy back in there. He should have had a touchdown, but that was nullified by uh, Justin Jackson, offensive pass interference, just tough look, you know, the one chance that we had to score. And, you know, we ended up turning the ball over on downs after that. So that really hurt. You know, it could have been a little bit of a different game, you know, not the the goose egg, but, you know, we were aggressive. We wanted to put touchdowns on the board. We didn't want to settle for field goals. We knew this was going to be, you know, a, a tough game that defenses were going to exchange blows probably was going to be relatively low scoring, but yeah, I mean, when we got a chance to put up points, I mean, and we're just shooting ourselves in the foot with those penalties. It was a killer. Yeah. The penalties. And, and really I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting so tired of, of watching, you know, our offense when it gets down to third down, man. Cause I, I don't know about you, but it just seems that like, let's say we're at third and seven, third and eight. It seems that we're just looking to get five or six yards to get in fourth and two to go for fourth and two. With Amante Brown, you know, hobbled uh, with no speed on the field, Sharks gone. There's no speed to separate from the defenders on, on those, you know, 10 plus yard plays. We just didn't have the personnel out there to, to do it. But uh, the aggressiveness on fourth down, especially with that field goal play at the end of the first first half, it's it's the play calling is is getting to be a little bit too much uh, for me. Um, but, you know, it's game by game basis and things do change. But we, we just need more talent out there, you know, with and, and that will happen when people get. Uh, back healthy, but uh, it just wasn't our day. It is starting to seem like someone on the coaching staff has a, a prop bet for most fourth downs converted in the season because they are just going for it left and right. So I agree with you there, Austin. Yeah, you think we got someone on staff going to be the next Calvin Ridley? Uh, maybe, or, or we'll get some sort of charge like the Dolphins did and just lose a pick, and then this whole show's for not. <laughs> Fuck. That'd be worst-case scenario. Yeah, receivers, you know, not a whole lot of highlights there. TJ Hawkinson, though, was one of the bigger lowlights. He disappeared. He was a ghost. Like I said, you got to see some consistency out of him. He went from a career day and a historic game last week against the Seahawks to absolutely nothing, just one catch. He was bad in pass protection as well. He let Matthew Judon buy for a hit on Jared Goff. You know, we could have had another big game with Amon Ross St. Brown. Like you said, Austin, he he wasn't 100%, and we didn't have DJ Chark. He should have been there to, to reap some of the rewards. I think that the Patriots didn't want him as the primary threat in our offense, knowing that Amon Ross St. Brown wasn't 100% and we were down Chark. So I think they kind of scripted to make sure that he was covered up pretty well. And it showed on that interception that Goff threw to down the sidelines to TJ Hawkinson. There was double coverage that Goff threw into. He eyed him down the whole way. 
thought there might have been a little bit of pass interference on the corner that was guarding him, but the other corner just came and picked it right off. No problem. So they definitely had their eyes set on him and they knew that they didn't want TJ Hawkinson to beat us and have a repeat of the Seattle game. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think you said it perfectly. I mean, I, I think that double down of that, of that pick you're talking about, I mean, that should have been a back shoulder throw that he let him, you know, three, four, you know, extra steps toward the end zone, you know, down the field, which led to that interception and that's on golf for that ball placement. But, and, and you said it to, to start the chat out um, in the beginning of just getting out coached. And you knew that was going to happen. You know, it's Belichick's MO is stopping what you do well. And the only thing that we were going to be able to do well that day was utilize our, our best athlete on the field, which was Hawkinson. And they just shut him right down and we left it with nothing. You know, it was, it was uh, a boring game to watch on the offensive side. Even my condensed version got a little boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was not a good one to be watching Lions offensive football. The offensive line really did not have their best game either. I think it was their worst game of the season. I haven't seen the PFF grades or anything like that, but you know, our three stars of the show, Taylor Decker, Frank Ragnow and Penny Sewell, they allowed 10 hurries between the three of them. It's just uncharacteristic of them. Penny Sewell lost to Matt Judon on that golf fumble that got returned for the touchdown. Judon beat Taylor Decker as well. That was a sack that dropped us out of field goal range. So our two best guys on the line giving up those sacks in such critical moments. I mean, you just can't have that. So I know Penny Sewell is still young and he's looked great so far, but you know, it was a bad time to let up a play like that. And Decker, you know, the, the steady veteran letting Judon beat him as well. I mean, Matthew Judon's a great pass rusher, but I mean, he's not like an elite guy like a Miles Garrett or a TJ Watt. You got to win those one-on-ones. I And I think our game plan just kind of expected Decker and Sewell to handle those one-on-one matchups against Matthew Judon. And there's a couple of times where we just fell on our face and we weren't able to keep up with him. And then I don't know what we were thinking, putting TJ Hawkinson one-on-one on Judon either because he just blew by him no problem. Chase Goff down. I don't think it went down as a sack. It was just a hurry, but... Yeah, we just did not have an answer for him all day. No, and, and he's he's about as close as you can get to elite as, as elite can get. I mean, the stats that he puts up, uh, I think I saw that he was the first Patriot in, uh, in Patriots history to record a sack in the first five games of the year. And uh, he, he puts up solid numbers week in and week out. And, you know, not to mention, you know, we do have our three horses there, like you said, with Decker, Ragnow, and Sewell. But uh, the offensive guard positions have been just in and out with injuries, you know, every single game. So I know that's not the easiest thing to game plan for. And when communication is so big with those five guys, uh, and it probably showed and probably hurt them to leave them out on the island when you have backups and backups, backups in, in at guard, it uh, can't be an easy thing. But you got to scheme better for stuff like that, knowing that, you know, those guys are going to be on an island. And I mean, maybe you don't like I agree with Austin. I think Matthew Judon's up there. I know that the Ravens are probably a little upset that they left let him walk in free agency. He's already got six sacks on the year. His league high is 12 and a half. And that was last year. And I think that number is only going to be broken this year. And once you see those red sleeves coming at you, I'd be, I'd be scared. <laughs> That's for sure. I've liked Matthew Judon ever since he was coming into the NFL. He was high up on my list, not just because of the Grand Valley connection, but if you just watch the tape, I mean, he was a beast. And I mean, I'm on record. You can ask a couple friends, but I mean, I thought I was just super, super impressed. And every single year you make, see him make these steady improvements So, you know, maybe he is entering that elite conversation. I mean, he has been stepping it up a lot this year. And Penny Sewell, he is still young and Decker's a veteran. You like to see him win those one-on-one matchups is all. And, you know, I guess we should have had some tight end help or at least, you know, chip him so that our tackles can get him under control because clearly we had no answer for him all day. 
everyone was clamoring about Ben Johnson and his high powered offense. And, you know, clearly we took a step back and I think that he was just out coached by Belichick and, you know, golf didn't execute the game plan either, but you think about that fourth down play where we had, I'm going to St. Brown lined up at tailback. And then we have Jamal Williams as fullback with one yard to go. And we just got stuffed. Like you could see that coming from a mile away. Of course, they're going to key in on Jamal. So I thought that was a bad play call. There's a couple of plays that were just short of sticks on third and fourth down when we needed to get just like a yard or two. So I, I thought that Ben Johnson, this, this has to be a wake up call for him because clearly Belichick figured him out. And I'm sure that the rest of the league is going to watch the tape and they're going to see what the Patriots saw. So he's got to change some things. Yes. I'm in Ross St. Brown and Swift when they're healthy, that's going to be a big part of our game plan going in. We didn't really have that this week. There's got to be some changes going into that by and golf's got to execute week in and week out. Yeah. And you know, he's not the first coach nor the last coach. It's going to get out coached by Pelichek, man. That just, it's, it's going to happen. Um, I think you said it with execution, it comes down to playmakers and, like you said, the bye week couldn't have happened at a better time. Uh, hopefully Swift can get healthy. Amon Ra can get healthy. And, and really, I uh, haven't talked about it yet, but fingers crossed that, that Jameson's, you know, coming back, or able to come back, you know, for the Cowboys, if maybe a couple weeks after. But um, adding an explosive speedster, I think, will stretch a lot of things out and, and make us even more potent. But it, you can just tell the lack of athleticism from a quarterback position and just lack of team speed out there on the offensive end. Uh, last game, it was it was just uh, not a recipe for success. Yeah, and I tend to forget about Jamison every once in a while. Other than that, though, I just it's the same old story. We got to stop the run. Every game, it seems like we're just getting pounded, and we did again by Thick Nation, Ramondre Stevenson. So um, yeah, like you said, the bye week's going to be big, hopefully, and hopefully they can make an adjustment and get healthy and come back roaring. Yeah, that's a good time to transition into defense because overall I thought we saw some improvement. You know, we you did see some changes, but mostly I thought it was just with personnel. We didn't really do too much to change our scheme, and I think that that's something that we can work on in the bye week when we have some more time. We just swapped out a couple of starters. I mean, we had Savion Smith starting for Deshaun Elliott. Will Harris subbed in for Amani Warrior, who was a healthy scratch. And then we had A.J. Parker starting at nickel over Mike Hughes. You saw Derek Barnes get some more playing time. Dan Campbell mentioned it um, before the game last week, but Demetrius Taylor, the undrafted rookie out of Appalachian State, made his debut. We subbed in some new guys, some younger guys, just to see what we have with them and see if they could shake some things up. So Dan Campbell knew that there was an issue, and it's not like he just did nothing. But you want to see some changes schematically because you can still get us. You could still see that we were exposed in the running game. We haven't had an answer for it in any game except for the the commies game. That was the only time we've been able to stop the run. And it's just so tough to point the finger because I think it goes to the D-line and the linebackers, but it's just embarrassing. And I can't even remember a worse run defense for the Lions in years. You know, nothing really comes to mind. We cannot stop the run and we're piss poor at tackling. I don't know the exact number, but. I mean, on that one big Ramondre Stevenson run, I saw like three or four missed tackles before Deshaun Elliott was finally able to knock him out of bounds. And I think they had like a, over 100 yards after contact. So it just shows like we couldn't wrap these guys up. We couldn't even just stop them and, you know, like gang tackle them. There was nothing that we could do to stop the run. I mean, it's tough to tackle uh, that locomotive when the mound gets going, man. 
It doesn't matter, man. I mean, you got to be able to stop them. And if one guy can't bring them down, then we need to be able to rally to the ball carrier and take them down with the squad, you know, at least hold them up. And they were just running free, you know, arm tackles aren't going to cut it, especially against a guy like that. Even Damian Harris, I mean, he, he went down with an injury and there was nothing that we could do. And Damian Harris, you know, he's supposed to be more of that bruiser and Ramondre Stevenson's supposed to be more of the pass catching, well-rounded guy. You know, he got going and there was no stopping him. I mean, 25 carries and averaging 6.4. The guy had himself a day. Not denying that. He absolutely did. He absolutely yeah. thrashed us. So now yeah. Damian Harris is probably going to be out for a little bit. He's going to eat. I mean, I don't really know how much expectations y'all had going into the year on defense. I mean, the fact – I mean, it kind of goes up to front office and, and when you're talking about changing the scheme up. I mean, we literally brought everyone back, right? And we had the league's – worst deep one of the league's worst defense last year and to bring everybody back and just add Hutchinson and add a you know a Jeff Okuda off the injury um you're you're going in with less talent I was happy to see that we held them to a lot of field goals uh but at the same time you're playing with a, a fourth round pick in, in Zappi you know you're playing against a, a a guy who's not ready for the NFL shouldn't be ready for the NFL and to come in and get no pressure on him zero sacks registered in the game uh it's it's uncalled for you know the but most embarrassing one I can tell was that one that, you know, Hutchinson went up the field and just got completely juked by him. He couldn't have looked any worse. Um, but, you know, we need more from that guy. And um, the, the linebacker play is slow and there's no pressure on the quarterback. And, and a rookie quarterback to stand back there and just have an open season like he did, it's embarrassing. Um, and, and we're not going to change the players right now. So it's got, it's got to be something with the scheme to change up. And even though you said Zappy wasn't ready, I mean, he played a pretty solid game. He was 17 for 21, and I know his interception was on that tipped ball. Yeah, we did see some improvements on defense. I mean, one offensive touchdown, you know, but we had five field goals. So the Ben don't break mentality was working, and they were three for nine on third downs. I think they were 0 for 4 in the red zone. But, I mean, we couldn't stop the run. We had some stupid penalties. I know Derek Barnes had one. There were two PIs on Jeff Okuda. One was definitely bullshit. Barely had a hand on his shoulder. And he just gets pushed. Yeah, the receiver, I think it was Jacoby Myers, just pushes right off of him. That was fucking horseshit. We just had no answer for those short routes and the play action. Austin, like you said, like that Hutchinson play, I mean, I've seen that several times in every single game he's just too aggressive he gets too excited he's flying in for a sack you know it's great but you gotta know to break down and wait for that quarterback to move because zappy he's not even winding up to throw you know he had the ball tucked looking at reading downfield he sees him coming out of the corner of his eye he steps right back around i mean the most unathletic quarterback in the entire league can sidestep that if you're coming 100 miles an hour i think he's got to tone it down a little bit I'm sure he feels some pressure to put up some numbers and, you know, make this defense relevant and solid. And it is embarrassing just having so many hurries and no sacks, but I feel like if he just settles down a little bit, it's going to benefit his game and you'll see some more production when it comes to those sack numbers. Yeah, I sure hope so. Um, I wasn't the biggest, I mean, there was no one else, I guess we could have taken in that position. Um, You know, you got to go get a pass rusher. Um, So I was fine with the pick and I've been pleasantly surprised with Akuda this year. Um, off the injury. I think he's been a solid addition, um, you know, to that, to that secondary, but it, it just, yeah, it, to your point, tackling, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's fundamentals day one from camp and like how, how much are we going to keep talking about something like that and not lead it back to coaching, right? Lead it back to coaching, whether it's um, Aaron Glenn or, or from the top with Dan Campbell. I mean, that just, that's, you can't be a team known that can't tackle and 
two straight years, we're giving up a buck 50 plus to, to Rashawn Penny and then another buck 50 plus uh, last night, you know, against Stevenson. And that's just, it, it can't be done. You can't win games like that. Um, and, and Hutchinson does have to have pressure on him, man. He's a number two pick and we do expect a lot out of him. So he, he's got to bring it more and, and the whole defense has got to bring it. We already have a bunch of young starters going into this season and it, and everybody has injuries. I get that next man up, but the next man up is they're all rookies. You know, they're young guys, second, third year players. So we swapped out Deshaun Elliott, one of our veterans for Savion Smith. It sounds like he's going to be okay, but he left in an ambulance two plays into the, you know, the opening drive for the Patriots, I believe. Um, it was a believed to be a neck injury. It sounds like, you know, he has movement, in all of his extremities. He tweeted out that he's okay. He's in concussion protocol. So all sounds good there. It was definitely very scary in the moment. We also had Will Harris go down. He never returned. Afatu Melifanwu came and stepped in for uh, Kirby Joseph for a play. And then he went down after a few plays. Deshaun Elliott went down and eventually came back. Okuda too. But I mean, our secondary is banged up. And then, you know, Tracy Walker, we're not going to have him back until maybe next year, midway through the season with the Achilles injury. So yeah, secondary, it's, it's really banged up. Amani Awari, the healthy scratch. So hopefully he learns his lesson and can come back stronger, but it's tough. You know, you got to go with that next man up mentality, just not the game to bench Amani Awari. Yeah. And, and, and who knows about the benching, you know, that could be a million different things as to why. And you're totally right as far as tempering the expectations, you know, on this team. I mean, everyone you just named, every name you just had, Barnes and everyone in the secondary, Hutchinson. I mean, these guys are all drafted in the past two, maybe three years, you know. So um, it's fair to temper the expectations. But, man, it just seems like we, we can never be one of these teams like the Ravens or, or the Steelers where, you know, it really is next man up and it doesn't seem like there's much of a fall off. I just want to see more out of them. And real quick, before we move on to the game ball and the burning bag, I wanted to talk about Dan Campbell a little bit because you go on Twitter, you see some of the headlines, some of those clickbait articles saying that his job could be in jeopardy and people are questioning his ability to coach. You know, there's no doubt that he can motivate a team, but people have questions on if he can be the guy to put us over the top. And I just want to remind everybody, all the haters out there who are probably going to tune out and just say same old Lions and this is just another season that we're throwing away. I want to remind you that we are, in fact, in a rebuild. And yes, I know going into the season that I was optimistic that maybe we have a chance to make the playoffs, sneak into that wild card spot. And, you know, now I'm not feeling so strong about that for sure, but we are rebuilding. We have a lot of young players and everybody knew when we hired Dan Campbell that he was going to need time to turn some things around. We knew that he wasn't an X's and O's guy. That's not why we hired him. He was brought in here to change the culture of this team because of the shit that Matt Patricia brought down on our heads. And I think that he's done a great job at that so far. And, you know, maybe this isn't the year that we start to see the wins and see results. That's kind of the last step. I think we got to have diamond hands. We got to hold on to this treasure, which is Dan Campbell. Don't be a paper handed pussy and just kick him to the curb. He's still got time. This is year two. And, you know, it's no easy task to turn a Lions franchise that has been historically one of the worst in the NFL around in just a matter of not even a year and a half. I mean, we interviewed guys like Robert Sala and Marvin Lewis, Todd Bowles, Eric Bieniemy, and they all had more experience than this guy. And people were kind of scratching their heads as to why we hired Dan Campbell. And at that initial press conference, we saw why. And because he's a culture fit and he's a guy who's going to make Detroit 
a destination where players want to come and enjoy playing for us because we haven't had that. So, you know, we're thinking about long-term here and flipping the script, changing the narrative. If we would have hired one of those guys, I think that would have been like a band-aid. It would have been a short-term hire, you know, that maybe we could squeak out some wins and make some money. When Sheila Ford Hamp took over this team, she realized the problem that we've been going through for years and it's just a cycle. And we hired Dan Campbell to change that. So I think we've got to hold on. We're not going to make the playoffs this year. I realize that now, unfortunately, but let's give some of these young guys some experience and some reps and have us ready to go for 2023. Stick with us. You can't give up on us just yet. I know that, you know, this was a a bad, bad loss. The worst one that we've had in a while. I mean, we got skunked by the Eagles last year too. And, you know, it it seemed like a revenge game for a lot of fans going up against Matt Patricia. You know, it's not going to happen. And everybody has those losses. It might've been a bad loss, but it's still just one loss in the record books. You got to have faith. And on a positive note, you know, right now I looked it up today. We're projected to have the third overall pick. Carolina's number one, Steelers number two, Lions three, and somehow we're even in front of the Washington Commanders in terms of draft picks. So it wouldn't be too bad to have that. The Rams aren't looking good either. They're kind of looking like a middle of the road team. So if we could have, you know, a top five pick along with a top 15 pick, maybe those are going to be two more building blocks that we can add to this team. And And this draft class is absolutely loaded. Yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, I'm not ready to to give up on Dan Campbell yet. I mean, obviously for two years, a year, a year and a third, um, you can tell the team plays for him, but the game management is just fucking God awful. You know, there's been more that you can count on a hand of either it's play, you know, uh, block issues or the, the whole fourth down thing that we've talked about earlier in the, in the podcast. And, uh, just personally, it just it, it's not winning football to just continuously throw and throw and throw uh, and try to get fourth down, you know, six, seven, eight times a game. You can talk about analytics and what's the right play. But, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't seem like the analytics will tell you to go for it on fourth down 90 percent of the time. It just doesn't seem to work. And um, so that's getting very frustrating. All right. So these next three games, I think, are so pivotal. The last thing you want to do is see, start a one and seven season. Right. And these next three games against the Cowboys, against the Dolphins and the Packers three playoff teams. We got to get two of them, you know, it's, and it's going to show uh, how much these guys do play for them going into the bye week one and four and coming out of this game against Dallas. It's going to show how much these guys care and if they can get it back on track. I mean, there's a lot of things, crazy things happen in the NFL, man. You can get it back to 500. You can get it to four and four and we can talk, we can talk that and see, you know, what the, what the vision is for the rest of the year. You got to get it close to 500 over the next three, four games. And uh, if that's not the case, I think come mid mid season and we're talking a one and seven record or anything like that, then, then you're talking, okay, is this guy capable of handling a team or not? I mean, it's just, it's Lions fans all over again. When we got the first win, everybody was all in and now we get a little bit of adversity and now they're all out. Like Austin said, we shouldn't have expected to just become good overnight. Um, that wasn't going to happen. I still think this, this was just a bad game and you can't just ditch the guy. Like it's a girl that had one, longer second toe than a big toe and you're just done with her like you can't just do that keep plugging away get the young guys going and then yeah I mean it sounds like we got a tough next three games after the bye week so I don't know if we'll get to four and four I don't think we will Uh, my prediction will be coming after the bye week but um, yeah just stay the course keep Dan Campbell trying to chew those kneecaps 
Is that how you evaluate your women? You look at their toes. You got like Both a size, fetish. <laughs> no, that's from Shallow Hal. You've never saw that. Where uh, oh, I have. Jason Alexander yeah, dumped the girl because her one toe is longer than her big toe. He's like, I have. A, I'm completely afraid of women. <laughs> I don't remember that part, but I have seen that. It's been a while. All right, let's get to it. The game ball and the burning bag of dog shit. Lots of bags of dog shit to go around. I'll kick it off here. For my game ball on offense, I'm going to give it to the the Reynolds, Craig Reynolds and Josh Reynolds. I thought, you know, not a lot of highlights on offense, but Craig Reynolds had one of his best games of the year. He had six carries for 24 yards on the ground, also three catches for 68 yards receiving those two big plays, the 30-yard screen play and the 25-yard catch. It was nice to see him do something, solidified his, uh, his role as the RB3 of this team, and then Josh Reynolds, one of the one bright spots in our receiving core, uh, six catches for 92 yards. He did have one drop, but uh, looking pretty good overall. And then on defense, my game ball is going to Deshaun Elliott. Although he didn't start, once he came in for Savion Smith, he was all over the place, led the team in tackles with 12. He had the interception off the tip, you know, maybe not the best coverage play, but, I mean, he got the pick off of it. He left a little bit of the game just with some cramping. It sounds like he eventually did return. So I thought that he had a great game. And shout out to Matt Burns for giving him the game ball last week. He has kind of been one of the unsung heroes of the defense. So I'll give him some recognition this week. Yeah, I got uh, for the game ball. and O. Um, I picked Josh Reynolds as well. I, I think ever since he came out of the team, you know, they talked about it at Wits End about his relationship with, with golf coming over from the Rams. And it clearly shows uh, he has his eye on him all the time. He always seems to be open. You know, he doesn't seem like a burner or anything like that, but the guy seems to know how to run routes and, and get open and make plays uh, when there's not plays to be made. So he's at least a bright spot in, in what was a, a horrible game that we've talked about. Uh, game ball on D, I'm going to give it to the entire defense in the red zone. The red zone D was was great. They were able to shrink the field uh, for a rookie quarterback and, and make it harder on him. Uh, Zappi had a great throw in that one touchdown pass to Myers, you know, perfect pass over the zone, but – other than that, you know, I'll take, what, what was it, six field goals that they had or something like five. that? Yep. Five field goals, I'll take that all day. Um, I'll, and I'll, I'll be at a, with a, a rookie quarterback, but still I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due on the Red Zone D. Building off what Austin said about uh, old golden leg Nick Folk, um, as much as I'd want to give a game ball, either offense or defense, to any of the Lions player, I'm going to give it to nobody. And I'm going to go against Thick Nation and Ramondre, and I'm giving it to Nick Folk. Made all seven of his kicks accounted for 17 points of their 29. You couldn't stop the man from draining it through the uprights. So you're just giving it to the Patriots, huh? Damn right. <laughs> Interesting turn. Great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll talk my burning bag of dog shit here. Like I said, there's a lot of shit that could be passed around this one, but I got to give it to Jared Goff just because he regressed so much. He had taken those steady strides over the past four weeks. And, you know, it's like he just resorted back to what he was when the Rams kicked him to the curb. You know, he had the fumble, he had the interception, and they were just the real backbreakers on offense. We couldn't put any points on the board, and the quarterback is the most responsible for that. I thought we moved the ball pretty well, but we couldn't get it done when it came to those key third, fourth down and red zone plays. You know, we were never able to punch it in and you know, the majority of that blame has to be shouldered by golf. So uh, my burning bag of dog shit on defense, it's going to Amani Awarie. Just one last piece of insult to injury. He was a healthy scratch benched because of his piss poor performance for the past four weeks. 
I'm hoping that this is really a wake up call for him. We need him now more than ever, especially with these injuries that have surmounted on the, the secondary. So we need him to come back and, you know, look like he did in 2021, be a good running mate for Jeff Okuda and shore up that secondary. Yeah. My, uh, my burning bag of shit for the offense goes the head coach, Dan, <laughs> Dan Campbell, man. Um, you know, repeat myself a little bit on this podcast, but the play calling and, and just got out coached So in every aspect of the game, um, and, and you just knew how big of a challenge it was going to be to go into New England against Bill Belichick. Uh, but to have a rookie quarterback and to let him have an easy day at the office, and you, you really just want to think about the easy stuff and stacking the box against a, against a rookie quarterback and forcing the ball to, for him to make a play. And it didn't seem they did that. You know, they didn't do that at all. Uh, they let him have an easy day. Um, and I just don't think that he got the team prepared to play that game at all. Uh, burning bag of shit on the defensive end. Also goes to a, a coach in Aaron Glenn, um, a year and a third of this, of uh, the Ben Delt break, and it's breaking and it's breaking and it's breaking, and it seems like it's damn near broken. Um, you know, to, to bring the whole team back and still have the worst team in the league um, week after week, and it, they're just getting embarrassed with, with points over 30 damn near every game, and running backs uh, running as easy as shit through a, a hot tin can, right, as Nick Saban likes to say. So uh, it, it's just not a not a pretty performance, and uh, I think he deserves a bag of shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have much here. My burning bag of shit goes to the whole damn team and just grab your marshmallows and start eating some poopy-flavored marshmallows. And, um, yeah, sit back. Woof. No further <laughs> comment. Slap it on a graham cracker. You got yourself a shit s'more. I agree. Shit on a cracker, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you say shit, Austin. You really go, my burning bag of shit goes to. <laughs> There's some passion in that voice. He yeah. called the shit poop. He called the shit poop. <laughs> Ever since the commies, we've really just gone downhill. And hopefully this is the cherry on top. We're really hoping that the buy helps us out next week we're not going to talk too much because we don't have any game next week obviously but we'll get into the uh, cowboys matchup for our bye week episode um dak prescott might be coming back even if he's not cooper rush is looking pretty good so far and the defense is one of the top in the nfl we got to go against micah parsons and if we thought that matthew judon was going to be a tough matchup boy wait until we see him so well like i said we'll get into that a little bit next week we got two weeks off so hopefully we can make some adjustments and be ready to go for that three week stretch of hell i'm not looking forward to it no agree and next up, we have one of my favorite segments, the old betting with the bell. We like to pick a favorite, pick an underdog, pick an over, and pick an under. Corbin, you were one and three last week. I was two and two. Uh, let's see if we can get a little momentum going into this week. Corbin, what do you got? For my favorite this week, I'm taking the Chargers. Five-point favorites over the Broncos. Mostly just a nod to how shitty the Broncos are. Chargers are banged up, but they're still getting it done. Austin, what about you for your favorite? Uh, for the favorite, I got Bengals minus one and a half down in New Orleans. Um, I, I don't think it's I don't think you can hold that high-powered offense um, to as poorly as they've been playing uh, with with the Bengals. And I think Burrow and down in, in New Orleans with Jamar Chase, it's a you know a reunion back to the the old LC, uh, LSU days. So I'm taking them uh, in the uh, Superdome. Yeah, I, uh, I also that. had the Bengals. Um, I just firmly believe that the Bengals kind of. Had a rough one losing to the uh, Ravens on that last second field goal. The Ravens deserved the win. Bengals did cover, but I'm definitely taking the Bengals minus one and a half. Um, the Saints, they had Taysom Hill go off last week, and I just 
It's like years past. He's going to have one game where he's got 25, and he's going to have three games in a row where he's got under two points. So I'm definitely going with the Bengals minus one and a half. Corbin, what are you feeling for your dog? I'm going to ride the red hot New York Jets. They are seven and a half point dogs against the Packers. Packers just lost to the Giants. And I think New York's got their number. They're on the road, but Jets have been looking good so far. Zach Wilson's looking solid. Brees Hall is starting to get it going. And the Packers aren't looking like they have in the past few years. So I'm taking the Jets three and two best start that they've had. And God knows how long just put up 40 points and God knows how long. So I'm sticking with them. Yeah, I want to preface uh, these lines to our fans that uh, I am currently in retirement from from gambling, given that I am at a, uh, a hefty 0-12 streak going on uh, right now. So <laughs> I would say fade me. But uh, if you want to ride my cold streak, uh, I got the Dolphins plus three at home. Uh, hopefully two is back and healthy, but I think that offense is too potent to, to be down two straight weeks. So give me the Dolphins. Austin, you are ice cold. <laughs> uh, freezing. Oh, boy, man. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's been a bad, bad start for uh, Uncle Jerry over here. Yeah, that's not that's no fun. So yeah. for, my, for my dog, um, I am going to stick with my captain, Daniel Dimes. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch the London game. I had one of those crack of dawn frigid tea times this weekend. But I'm um, looking at the stat sheet. It looks like the man was efficient going 21 for 27. Uh, the Ravens are coming off a win, but... Give me the Giants at home with that five and a half point spread. And I like them, like them a lot. What are we feeling for the overs here, boys? Well, I'm taking the Cowboys Eagles line is set at 42. And I think that Cooper rush has been getting it done. I don't know if Dak's going to be playing this game, but the Eagles are great as well. They did have a little bit of a down game offensively this past week, but it's a divisional rivalry. Both teams are humming. Both teams have good defenses, but I like the offenses too. I think that 42 is a little bit too low. I think that they'll get over it. Maybe make a, like a 24, 20 game, something like that sounds about right. So we'll clear that over. I like that on there, Jerry. Yeah. I like that pick. I'm going to go with the over 45 and a half with the, uh, the Dolphins Vikings game. So uh, I'm all in on the Dolphins this weekend. Um, for me, uh, I, I watched a lot of that Rams game with Stafford and he just did not look great. I don't know if it was the offensive line. With Matt Rule getting fired, um, I think the Rams are going to eat. I think the Panthers are going to be in complete disarray. Christian Caffrey might bust off a couple points, but the over-under is only 40 and a half, so I'm going to go ahead and take the over on that game. What about the under, Corb? Well, I'm fading you because I'm taking the under in that game. Ooh. When I checked, the, the line was at 41, but – I don't think that the Rams offense looks that good at all. Stafford and the offensive line have been out of sorts and Cooper cup seems to be the only guy who can do anything on that offense. Panthers defense has actually been pretty solid, all things considered, but the Rams defense, I think that they could, will have no problem stopping Baker Mayfield. Christian McCaffrey is always a threat, but I could see it being like a 2017 game or even, you know, 20 to three or something like that. Maybe the Panthers bounce back and, you know, realize that it's a wake up call with Matt rule getting shipped out of town, but I don't like the Rams to put up that many points and, you know, the Panthers got to prove it to me. Former XFL MVP PJ Walker could be slinging though. So you should watch out. <laughs> I ain't scared. <laughs> what about you, Austin? Uh, I have Pat's Browns under 42 and a half. Um, I'll just, you know, ride the way that, that the, the defense looked against the other uh, lines this past week with the Pats defense. Uh, Jacoby Brissett going against his former team. 
Um, I, I think uh, I think that one's going to be a low score. But like uh, I for, said, like I said, fade me probably if you're a smart person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh boy, that's why, that's why we're addicted to it. Uh, gambling is addicting. And last but not least, for my under, <laughs> I am going Chargers and Broncos under 45 and a half. Russ Willie has just looked terrible this year. Um, they just lost Javante Williams. And then I believe Russell Wilson had some sort of injection going on in his shoulder. I didn't, I didn't look into that too hard, but a partially torn lat, they say it's just bullshit for him sucking. It's an yeah, I guess, which, but regardless, any injury is just got to be great for him throwing hurt his finger before. And now he's got a sprain, whatever. I think, uh, yeah, I'm going to take the under in that game. Um, yeah, that wraps up betting with the belly. But now we're going to shift over to the Survivor League. And a quick update on the Survivor League. We are down to the final three after five short weeks. A um, couple people took the Jags last week. A couple people took the Rams. And they both lost. So uh, going right into it, Corbin, your picks from last week. It looks like you had the Jags as your safe pick. And they ended up losing. And then the Titans, a risky W. And my boys pulled it home for you. I had the Buccaneers last week as my safe win, and they pulled it off. And the Raiders are yet to play. Uh, they played the Chiefs tonight. I personally don't know what I was thinking because I definitely bet the Chiefs tonight in my own personal bets. So, And that was at minus seven. So I don't know what I was thinking last week, but that's probably going to end up as an L. Um, Matt from last week, he bet the Bills as a safe W, and they absolutely destroyed the other squad. Um, and then the, <laughs> I can't remember who they played. <laughs> that's fine. And then for his risky pick, he picked the Bengals and they ended up getting an L. So it looks like we are one and one, one and one, and one in question mark for now. Corbin, what are you feeling for your picks this week for Survivor? Uh, I got a couple to choose from, but I think I'm going to take the Chargers at home versus the Broncos. I feel like that's pretty safe because I don't trust Russell Wilson. Yeah, he has that partially torn lat in quotations, because that's a bunch of bullshit. They are a little banged up, but they proved last week that they can still put up some points. Justin Herbert's humming, and I really don't trust the Broncos. Home game, I think that they'll take it. Austin, what are we feeling? Yeah, I'm going to go with the uh, the Rams uh, at home against Carolina next week. I think the Rams or the, uh, the Panthers are in disarray with the whole quarterback situation, so give me the Rams. Um, and I, myself, I'm going to go with the pack at home in Lambeau. I know the Jets have been humming, but I like that seven-point spread. That gives me some cushion. Um, yep, going to go with Aaron Rodgers in the pack in that one. And, Corbin, who are we liking for risk? Another few to choose from. I'm kind of between the Giants and Browns right now, but I'm going to stick with that New York hot hand. I'm taking the Giants over the Ravens. They just came off a win against the Packers, and now they come back to – MetLife offense is looking good. Defense is looking solid. I like what Dabble's been doing for the Giants. So give me the Giants. G-Man. I am a huge fan of that for Captain Dimes. Uh, Austin, what are you feeling for your risky pick? Risky bet. I think the game of the week, uh, Chiefs-Bills. I'm going to take the Chiefs at home. Ooh, that's going to be a good one. That game should be an absolute shootout. I'm surprised they're not playing in prime time. Um, And last but not least, my risky pick. I had the Jags and the Browns written down. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and go with the Jaguars. They have the Colts away. Uh, they're two and a half point dogs, but uh, I just, I don't really believe in the Colts. They got that sneaky win against the chiefs, but Matt Ryan is just looking, looking faded and old. So I'm hoping for the young boys in Jacksonville to take it home. Um, I am a little biased because I'm golfing there soon with my boy, Jerry, but despite that uh, we're going to go with the Jags to wrap up the survivor league update. 
All right. I've had enough football for this week. After that Lions game, I couldn't watch any more games. I couldn't bring myself to it. Just a bad sports weekend all around. Spartans lost too. Had a pickleball tournament Sunday night. Got my ass kicked in that. So let's talk some segments. We got some good ones for you today. We're going to start off with a would you rather. And then, of course, we got bowels of the belly and Corbin, how bad do you want it? So how the would you rather is going to work is we're each going to ask our own question and the other two will have to answer it. So I'll kick it off. Then we'll go, Ben, and then Austin, you can anchor it. My first question is this. Would you rather give the first 99% of a blowjob or give the last 1%? Oh, man. Uh, give me the first 99. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to justify that. Uh, justify it. I'm going to I'm going to hope and pray to the Lord that uh, they don't last long. So it's only like, uh, I don't know, five seconds and then they bust. So I don't have to do that part. <laughs> my man's my- got a mean technique. <laughs> uh- you got that gluck gluck down. <laughs> He's going to come strapped with a grapefruit. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I don't get a drunk person, man. Hopefully they're sober. <laughs> you, you get a guy fresh off a Coke bender, you're just going for hours. Uh, I'm sticking um, to my answer. I, 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 I honestly don't know, but for continuity and probably personal preference, I'm probably going to do that last one and just uh, go right to the doctor after. Probably get my blood checked uh my <laughs> saliva checked maybe a dick swab even though my dick didn't even touch it just to make sure we're clear after that um i don't think there's a winning answer for either of them in all honesty i 100 percent do think that there is a winning answer and i think no question the answer is the one percent i don't know <laughs> what the hell you guys are thinking but do you realize like you have to put some fucking work into that thing like you have to be good you can't just like expect to just put your mouth on there and expect it to just explode right away. I don't think you have the, I mean, I don't know from personal experience, but Austin, Ben, it doesn't look like you have the most warm and comforting mouths that I've ever seen. So you could be working on that thing for a fucking hour and it's not over until you get to the very end. If you're on the 1%, it's like taking a thick, creamy shot. That's all you have to worry about. Um, man, it's just man, some Bailey's, have, uh, <laughs> yeah. some Bailey's. <laughs> a little salty, um, but yeah, <laughs> I said what I said. <laughs> All right. So be it. What you got for us, Ben? Um, okay. So I got, <laughs> I got one, I got two of them. I might do them both, but we'll just start with a little more PG one. Would you rather that your girlfriend or your employer get access to all the text and Google searches that you've ever done in your entire life? basically have access to your whole life virtually you want to go austin uh (laughs) yeah let's go with uh let's go with girlfriend (laughs) i'd be i'd be fired (laughs) yeah yeah i i agree i would go with a girlfriend one of the great things about my girlfriend is i started off with honesty right off the bat so i don't think that there's anything that she could find in my search history or text messages that she would be that pissed off about i think that we could uh we could bounce back if she saw some of the dirty shit i look up in my free time so (laughs) right there with you (laughs) yeah i definitely agree with that one i think that was a little bit of a layup but uh i think most everybody would probably be fired unless you got one lax uh boss i'm gonna go ahead and go with my other one since you guys were unanimous would you rather have to poop out of your mouth or have somebody else poop into yours uh i'd rather i'd rather poop out of my mouth yeah, 
I'd poop out of my mouth. I mean, is it just like vomit then? I, I, <laughs> I mean, it's every consistency in the book. Just every time you have to poop, it comes out of your word hole instead of your butt butt. Oh, shit. So every, wait. Every time. I, so like after a bender weekend, you're probably spewing some diarrhea out your word hole. I'm trusting my own body. I can't let kind of goes back to Corbin's question. I don't want anyone else's stuff in me, man. I'll just. <laughs> <laughs> so wait. So every time you have to poop, it comes out of your mouth. But how often would people be shitting in your mouth? Uh, <laughs> Good question. Um, every time you have to eat. <laughs> All right, I need my appetizer real quick. <laughs> I'm gonna be skinny as fuck. <laughs> we'll go with uh, bi-weekly. Oh shit! So like Corbin, it's what second Wednesday of the month it's that time. I'm a, I'm an export businessman. I do not do imports. Say it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll I'll puke that shit up. Yeah. It's it's coming out. <laughs> All right, that's, that's all for mine, Austin. What do you got? All right, uh, completely random. Uh, would you rather take a driver off the shin from Bryson DeChambeau, uh, but every time you do it, you get a free dinner wherever you want, wherever you want, or be a famous athlete and get exposed for having a tiny penis? Hmm. I, I guess my question is about taking the – so you're taking the ball off the shin. It's just not him hitting the club into your shin? No, yeah, yeah. You're lining up like two yards ahead of him, and he's just taking a driver and just rakes your shin. Yeah. Well, it's how often would you have to do that? Like every time you eat? Uh, <laughs> well, no, you get a free dinner out of it. So it's if you want a free dinner, you can just take that pain. Just one time? Yeah, or if you want multiple free dinners. You just, every time you want a free dinner, that's, that's the deal. And how famous of an athlete would I be? Would I be like LeBron? Just in my, in my, yeah, in my in my mind, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking like best in their sport. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think they've got like a surgery for that now. So, <laughs> I mean, is that a loophole or am I allowed to get like some penis enlargement surgery? I mean, uh, basically what you're saying, I mean, I already have a small penis, so I just don't have the money to get it enlarged. So. <laughs> does, does, the whole, does the whole world know it, I guess? <laughs> Do they, have they seen it or they just know like, oh, he's got a tiny dick? Uh, <laughs> I, would, I would think, of, yeah, I don't know. I didn't think that far into it, but I guess someone saw it and it was on TMZ or some shit. Yeah, you, okay. I was thinking that you get released on TMZ with just a little bing, bing, bing. <laughs> Well, just, so, just so you go into an opposing arena and that's just all you fucking hear. Tiny dick. <laughs> well, I think I would take the, I think I would be the famous athlete with the tiny dick because if I was that famous, I would have enough money to buy uh, food from wherever I want and go to any <laughs> restaurant that I want. And I wouldn't have to take it off the shin and yeah, you just live with language. a tiny dick. So if you find a girl who loves you for your personality, then who cares? I mean, yeah, sure. You'll get the occasional heckler like, oh, he's got a tiny, tiny dick. But I think I could take it. I think I'm going to go with the tiny penis as well, man. You're going to be making a lot of money. So it's kind of like an offset thing. And uh, yeah, that works for me. And then I can go to dinner wherever I want. That's a good one, though. <laughs> I like it. All right, Ben, it's that time. Let's take a look through those intestines and see what's in the bowels of the belly this week. All right, here we go. Um, this is going to bring up our old friend, Jane, again, different Jane. We're just going to stick with Jane Doe for anim anonymity purposes. <laughs> um, so the story starts off. I went up North to my good buddy, Brad's house 
And uh, I always bring my tent with me everywhere I go, just in case uh, they want to kick me out of the house. They don't want me inside, treat me like a dog or for it's just overcrowded, which is probably 99% of the time. So I'm setting up my tent and they're like, oh, belly, what's that? And I'm like, this is Belly Manor located in the Smokes District. So my tent has a name. So my friend had brought up a bunch of or his sister brought up a bunch of her friends. And I began chatting with old Jane and the night's coming to a close. And I find out that she's kind of interested me, interested in me. So we take a golf cart ride with a couple of our other buddies. The golf cart ride's going fine. And she looks over at me and she goes, do you mind if I call you Belly? And my <laughs> other buddy just starts cracking up and he can't handle it. And at that point, I know that I'm in. And so I'm looking up at the stars and I'm, I'm pretty tired. I'm ready to go back to the tent and do our thing. And um, all of a sudden she looks over to me and whispers in my ear, take me to your manor. <laughs> so we end up taking the golf cart back. And um, uh, so we're riding back. We get to the tent. and It is ice cold outside. So we're just getting close in the tent, doing the hanky panky, doing a little foreplay and whatnot. And uh, I'm on top of her at one point going to town and I kind of like was kissing her and then I reel back a little bit and she shoves her hand down on her own crotch, rubs her, rubs her pussy, takes her hand out, <laughs> jams it into my mouth and goes, taste me. And to be honest with you, I thought it was fucking hot. <laughs> more, more. <laughs> so and then, then what about um, the, the bonfire too? Oh, I'm getting there. So then um, eventually it gets too cold and uh, we go inside. She goes into this inside with her girlfriends and I go like just on a couch and I pass right out. Cause it's like five in the morning at this point, I've been doing cardio. I am absolutely gassed cause my 40 times about nine seconds. So, um, so I hear some rumblings and like, I heard them talking. I was like, whatever, I don't care. I go back to bed and then we're all eating breakfast and all our girlfriends come up to me and they're like, Hey, I heard you did a pretty good job. She gave you a B plus. And she overheard this and she was like devastated thinking I was going to be pissed. And I was like a B plus 88%. That's great news. Let's go. <laughs> so I was all pumped. Um, oh, yeah. so, so then, uh, there was still one more night left. And, um, uh, so I think we went golfing that day. doesn't matter. Um, we're all around the bonfire and, uh, she's Jane sitting on my lap and, uh, Ricky two hats, uh, the guy who nicknamed me belly smokes from the first story. He's like seeing, uh, we're us flirting still. And here I knew what happened. It was his house, whatever. And, um, she's sitting on my lap and, uh, Rick goes, belly licks his lips. Get your hands off Jane. I take a <laughs> long drag of my cigarette, <laughs> look him dead in the eye and go, no can do Rick. <laughs> oh that one's a um, and then that, there's a couple other parts that are not important you got all the main bullet points uh it's just a <laughs> long-winded story then after that but that wraps up that story for the bowels of the belly so i think i uh this weekend actually it's funny you told this one because i think i got some inside intel on why you got a b plus and somebody this weekend with a group of people i was with they said that there was a girl who used to hook up with a guy with a gut and she used to love it because she said that her clit would rub against the belly <laughs> and, it would, and it would get her off. Look so at I me think, just using every piece of my body to get it done. If you were more slim, you might've been like a C minus or something. So I don't know if I was really that fat then. No, I was still had a gut, but it's not quite the girth it is now. That is fucking great. 
That is fantastic. I'll use my gut to get a B plus every time. Yeah. <laughs> you got to start pushing it out a little more. <laughs> oh, just make it as big as possible. Yeah. Flexing. Just a big, big mound to bump up against. <laughs> I, I'm uh, surprised that story resurfaced. That's great. That's yeah. Funny. Well, I had nothing to do with that. It was, I can't even remember what we were talking about, but I was like, huh, maybe that's why Belly got the B plus. <laughs> All right, Ben. I'm ready for you. So last week, uh, I took one back from you. We're now three and three. Um, I was surprised I got you with the cuddle one. Um, but this week, it comes to us from Brad. I need some help on this one. And uh, Corbin, how bad do you want it? What you would have to do is every day for an entire season is use Tyler's long ass crack hairs as floss. And you have to do that each morning and each night. And it, you have to get a fresh hair each time. Every day throughout the entire season? From preseason to Super Bowl. So Every we're single at, day. We're looking at, well, how long is the season? 17 weeks plus playoffs. That's another four, 21 times. So we're talking seven. September You're looking at almost 150 day of ass crack floss. <sighs> to win a Super Bowl just that year. And then I have to, and then I can stop. Yeah, sure. Could I like, so it's freshly plucked. Like, could I rinse it off first? <laughs> you can rin- rinse either the morning or the night, but you don't get both. <laughs> Does he at least shower before? I mean, I think you just, you might have to adjust your schedule based on when you're going to bed and time it up with his shower schedule. I don't know. You might have to put some research in. I just got the base. <sighs> See, my problem is I barely floss as is like, <laughs> I, like Pete, i I think people, I do floss, don't get me wrong, but I think people lie about how often they floss. Like they say they do it like once a week or once a day or something. Like I probably floss like once a month. One of my favorite memes is easily the one where the dentist asks you, when's the last time you flossed? And you just go, bro, you were there. (laughs) 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 Oh, fuck. Yeah. Give me the ass crack here. I'll floss with that shit. Absolutely disgusting. I wish we could throw up a picture of this thing, but we can't (laughs) see the the gross ones. Like if it meant winning a Super Bowl and then I can stop like so I guess like if I did it for the whole year, it would guarantee a Super Bowl. Like there's no chance that they would lose. Yeah, but judging on your history of flossing, you might just forget one day and then you can kiss that Super Bowl goodbye. (laughs) Yeah, but if I knew that, I would definitely remember. I'd set like an alarm and everything. What'd yeah, you say? All the way through. I said, what about the bye week? Oh, all the way up. <laughs> so I'd have healthier gums and a Lions Super Bowl. Then I just brush my teeth <laughs> that's, after. That's a win the side baby. of gingivitis. <laughs> <laughs> or sorry, E. coli. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't think about that. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm still going to do it, though. Yeah, the gross stuff, it's not a big deal. But like the cuddling one, like that was tough. Glad to go over 500 again. Move the record to four and three. But yeah, give me that squirrel tail ass crack that our friend Tyler has. <laughs> well, I got to go hard, then easy, hard, then easy. You know, I got to keep the show going. I don't want to shut you out. Yeah, that's fine. Alternate every now and then. I mean, now that you know the shit that I can do or that I would do, <laughs> you got to start getting uh, thinking a little outside the box. That was definitely a good one, though. But yeah, I yeah. Gotta, I'll be able to see the shit you're picking out of your teeth for a full season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, twice a day for... 
<laughs> September through fucking February, man. That's a, that's a tough one. Someone's like, man, that Corbin guy's got some great gaps. Oh, could you imagine your dentist visit, visit after? <laughs> it looks like you're getting in there pretty good, but... It, your mouth smells like shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was a good episode, boys. We're going to end it there. Thanks again for listening, you guys. Please, if you haven't already, don't forget to follow, subscribe, download on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other platforms. We're going to have another episode out next week for the bye week. Not a lot of football we'll be able to talk about. We'll, we'll preview the Cowboys game, and we'll have some more fun segments. Make it a little bit more uh, segment-based and fun for our listeners next week. Won't have a whole lot of Lions content. Um, but please don't forget to give us a review. Leave us five stars if you can. Follow me on Twitter at like Corbyashi. DM me some ideas for any segments that you'd like to hear. Please tell your friends, family, coworkers, and anyone and everyone you can talk about. I'm slapping some of those QR code stickers around Grand Rapids. So hopefully we can reach some more people. Singapore, we love you guys. Germany, Great Britain. We've got uh, Brazil in there as well. Sao Paulo. We're a real international brand. So we appreciate the love and support guys. Just wanted to say a big thank you to Austin for showing up this week. Uh, a lot of good insight, a lot of good talking points, and we're happy to have him on the show. And uh, thank you everybody again for listening. And uh, I'm excited to talk to you next week at the bye week That's going to be a belly driven show. That's for sure. A lot of non-football <laughs> talk. I can't wait. Thanks guys. Yeah. Thanks again, Austin, for coming on. We appreciate it, man. Hey, and with that fine. said, Thank you.